Welcome in to episode 15 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue alongside Scott Bandy, and we're going to be breaking down the week 13 main slate on DraftKings. It's a slate where there's quite a few injuries that we have to kind of maneuver through. Um, there's a good amount of value. There's a couple punt tight ends, which we always like. Uh, there's one cheaper quarterback, and there's a, a couple – there's a running back play that we all want to throw up when we when we look at him. A couple of cheap wide receiver plays with with Bull Fuller, uh, you know, being out from steroids or whatever he was doing. So uh, it, it should be a fun slate to break down. So starting, yeah, it's with, a lot less ugly than last week. Yeah, <laughs> last week was God. It was not much there last week. So I want to start with the injuries. So there's a couple guys that are out. Uh, already here on Friday night. So Josh Jacobs is rolled out. He didn't practice at all this week. So that um, opens up um, Devontae Booker, who is 5,500, the same price as David Montgomery. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. John Lewis Smith is out, opening up 2,500. Anthony MF and Ferkser, we will be talking about him. Um, Irv, Irv Smith. Is also out, has, did not practice all week, opened up Kyle Rudolph at 3,400 again. Uh, we played him last week at 2,800. Yeah, he's definitely in play again at 3,400. Um, Julio Jones is questionable. Tua is also questionable. So that's just – Tua kind of changes the entire offense with with Miami. Is like if Tua's out and Gaskin is out, they're just going to throw 40 times with Fitz and Parker's definitely going to be further in, into play. Um, if Tua plays, I don't want anybody on the bike or on, on um, the Dolphins at all. So. Yeah, I totally agree. If Tua plays then I'm off all Miami players. <clears throat> and I think Tua's going to be good at some point in his career. He's just not ready yet. Well, that's why we love Fitz because he just drops back and slings it, man. He just doesn't yeah. care. Yeah, and we should also note that Zach Ertz um, is trending towards being active. He's not on the injury report, so he should be uh, good to go. I, I think Ertz is total dust. He's 3,900. I think more so it just kind of hurts uh, Goddard. It probably does help the Eagles offense. It gives, uh, you know, it gives Wentz someone else to throw the ball to. But uh, we know Ertz is going to get nothing after the catch. But it might actually help the Eagles offense, give a familiar face for Carson Wentz. Maybe he starts to get something turned around. I don't know. I don't know what the Eagles are going to do, but we're going to start at the quarterback position like we always do. And I'm going to start with my, he's my second favorite quarterback on the slate. You're going to talk about my first favorite quarterback on the slate, uh, but I'm going to talk about Kirk Cousins. So Captain Kirk, um, you know, he he's really been super efficient this year. We know his volume hasn't quite always been there, but in this spot at home, he's 6,400 taking on Jacksonville. They have the highest implied total on the main slate, 31, which is obviously ridiculous. Anything over like 27 is really solid for quarterbacks. We know that the Vikings like to lean on the run. You know, on early downs in the first half in the last three weeks, they run the ball 50% of the time. So that's, you know, league average. Uh, most teams throw the ball, uh, you know, right around like 54% of the time. So, you know, they're out there running the ball 50% of the time. So, we know this team likes to lean on the run. Uh, but, I mean, Kirk has still been fine. I mean, he's averaged 21 DraftKings points per game over his last five. Um, he's even pushed the ball downfield a little bit. His average at the target is nine. Um, 
you know, and he's, he's averaged 9.1 yards per attempt in his last five. So he's, he's been really solid. He gives you like nothing on the ground. He's not going to run the ball at all. Um, but he's taking on this Jacksonville defense that we know is just a stone worst. I mean, they're 31st DPOA. They get no pressure on the opposing passer and they give up 8.3 yards per attempt. So we know the efficiency is going to be there for Captain Kirk. Um, you know, he's been a top 12 quarterback in three straight games. So I, I think that he has a really solid floor here. I'm not sure what his ceiling is going to be uh, if Jacksonville can't keep pace in this game. Yeah. Uh, Captain Kirkman. Um, I'm having a hard time getting on board with this just because I have an internal fear of Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. I mean, I just, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, scaling back Dalvin Coast workload with his entry right now, but whenever I think of Mike Zimmer, I just think, man, if we get up by anything, we're just going to jam it down their throat, whether it's Dalvin or Madison or anybody. So uh, he had the volume's been there the last few weeks and he's always been good. I mean, back when he was on Washington, he was one of my favorite quarterbacks just because he would drop back, you know, 35, 40 times, just get it, get it done. But man, the Vikings, it's such a good spot. And I, I have little to no faith in the Jags even though they have been honestly doing a lot of a better job of keeping games close than I thought they would. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm just fearful that they get up 14, nothing and they just sit on it. And I think I would be more inclined to play Kirk if he was less than six K, but him being 6,400, I could be totally wrong. He could absolutely smash here. Um, but uh, it, it's just like an internal fear of mine of, of, Mike Simmer and his quarterback. Yeah, and Adam Thielen uh, is going to be back for this game. He was on the, the COVID list last week. He was out. So he's got two really solid weapons there with, uh, you know, with Thielen and with Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, I, I do like Aaron Rodgers more, but if you don't have the salary to get up to Aaron Rodgers, I think Kirk Cousins is fine. Yeah, I mean, granted, I looked into Jacksonville earlier today, and their defense is just so, so, so bad against quarterbacks. They've, I think they're giving up the third most fantasy points over the last four weeks to quarterbacks, um, despite seeing far less volume through the air than the other teams in the top five. Um, and we know the quarterback efficiency for DFS often reigns superior to to volume. And I mean, that's been the story of Kirk Cousins this year. So he absolutely could get it done on, you know, 25, 30 pass attempts. Um, my fear is that, you know, the 16 for 22 yeah you know, that kind of game so um but yeah i i i'll be happy to take an l if, if, if he buries me um but anyways uh moving on to both our favorite guy this week is aaron Rodgers at 6800 i think he's just really underpriced this week um he's having i mean quite possibly the best season of his career after what a lot of people thought was a down season last year. Uh, so just to start it off, Green Bay's a nine-point home favorite over under a 49. Um, that total has actually moved up about a point and a half uh, since Monday. They have a 29 implied team total, which is really, really solid. Um, now, the Philadelphia defense, uh, when you look into the numbers, they are allowing the eighth fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks over the last four weeks. But if you look into who they've played, they've played Dallas, the Giants, and the Browns. 
Uh, and then the Seahawks were, we all watched Russ struggle, but I mean, Dallas, uh, the Giants and Cleveland, none of them really have confident passing offenses. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton is bleh. I mean, Daniel Jones has struggled all year. Baker has had flashes, but man, they just run the ball so much that I think when you look into the numbers, it might actually be a little bit misleading uh, in regard to Philly's defense. Uh, a couple notes about that defense. Fletcher Cox is probably not going to play. Uh, he's second on the team in sacks and arguably their best defensive player. So that's going to reduce some pressure off of Aaron Rodgers in this game if he does inevitably end up sitting. Uh, and then secondly, Darius Slay has been limited at practice the last two days. Uh, I didn't actually see any info about Friday's practice, but man, if he doesn't play, that just depletes, uh, depletes a poor secondary even more. And man, I mean, he can't cover Devontae Adams. We know that, but man, if Devontae Adams gets to go against that secondary with without Darius Slay, I mean, man, uh, that's just an absolute smash. So I really have no concerns about this Philly defense. I think they're overrated. I think the numbers say that. Um, going back to Rodgers, I mean, he's only had one game this season under 19 fantasy points and only two under 23 fantasy points. So, I mean, at 6.8K, I mean, he's only not a value once. Um, so <laughs> that's really, really solid. Uh, and then uh, really the only concern I have at all in this spot is that we get an Aaron Jones ceiling game, but you can't project something like that. I mean, if Aaron Jones goes out and scores three or four touchdowns, yeah, Rodgers isn't going to get there. But, man, uh, outside of that, I see no way how this is not just a blow-up spot for, for Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned the, the Eagles injury. So Fletcher Cox, uh, he was limited today, and he's off injury report, so he's going to play. Darius Slay has a calf injury. He's been limited all week. He was limited today, and he is questionable. So there's a chance that, that Darius Slay could actually miss this game. Yeah, I mean, on your Aaron Jones note, I mean, I, the Eagles are a pass funnel. They only give up 3.4 yards per carry to opposing backs. So this is a team that really can stop the run pretty well and should force the Packers to the air. I mean, and you, when you force Aaron Rodgers to the air, I mean, you're, you're going to be in trouble. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think – and Aaron Rodgers, he's been a top um, – he's been a top eight quarterback in every game except for two, and one of those came against Tampa Bay. And when Tampa Bay just blitzed the crap out of him and he got – he could get nothing going. Um, so, I think that Aaron Rodgers, the floor is absolutely massive. The ceiling should be perfectly fine here if the Eagles can punch back at all to keep this game, you know, somewhat close. I think Aaron Rodgers is, is the best play on the slate at his price, 6,800. Yeah, and I think he's probably going to be pretty – he'll probably be the highest zone on the slate. Him and Cousins, I think, will easily be the two highest. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks on the slate that can run. Um, you know, Russ is on the slate. Kyler's got the busted shoulder. Um, yeah, I think that Rodgers will definitely – People are going to want to play. I, I think people are going to stay away from Watson too with no four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so moving on to running back, I, I think that running back is is pretty tight this week. I think there's five main guys, and we can just list them off. So uh, I think the most locked in play is Austin Eckler. So it's Austin Eckler, um, Derrick Henry, and Dalvin Cook up top. James Robinson around the same price as Austin Eckler, and then Dave Montgomery if you want to go down. Now, people are going to say Devontae Booker is in play here with, uh, you know, with uh, with no Josh Jacobs. 
But, you know, Jalen Rashard might siphon off some passing game stuff. Who knows if they activate Theo Riddick. You know, Devontae Booker is not some world beater. He's not some some great guy. And I know David Montgomery, who's the same price as him, is not some world beater either. But, you know, I, I think that David Montgomery's role is exactly what you're wishing for in Devontae Booker. You don't know that Devontae Booker is going to go out there and get 80% of the snaps. We know for a fact that David Montgomery is going to get 80-plus percent of the snaps. He's going to get about 19 touches with four to five targets in the passing game. Um, you know, Dave Montgomery's been decent enough. He actually had a, a blow-up game last week, uh, you know, against Green Bay, and now he's taking on this Detroit defense that's 31st in total yards allowed per game to opposing backfields, but giving up 166 yards per game to opposing backfields. And they've allowed a league-high 21 touchdowns to running backs. And they gave up 34 point fantasy points per game Two opposing backs on 4.6 yards per carry. This is the spot of spots for Dave Montgomery at 5,500 as a home favorite uh, with a 24 implied total, which is, you know, good enough. You know, yeah, Mitch Trubisky's back there, but this is the spot for Dave Montgomery at 5,500. I much prefer him to Devontae Booker. What about you? So this is the type of spot for Dave Montgomery that gives me serious trust issues. Um, I remember I played him like week seven or so, and I was super hesitant to do so uh, because he's burnt me so much in the past and he's just fat and slow and he sucks. And I would most of the time want nothing to do with Montgomery. And I pledged that I would never, ever play him in cash ever again. But man, uh, that price tag and his recent involvement in the passing game, it makes it impossible to not at least consider. But this just... And I'm probably going to end up playing him because he is so cheap. But this is like that game where I just see 13 carries for 18 yards or something, like something stupid like that, that Dave, that only Dave Montgomery would, would do in this spot. Um, so, yeah, th- this is – if I lose, if I play Dave Montgomery and he loses me money again, I, <laughs> I – I don't think I'll ever be able to recover from that. I mean, twice in a few week time span, but yeah, it, it's the best spot he's going to have all year. Detroit is absolutely dreadful. They're just putrid on defense. Um, so it, it's impossible to not at least consider. And I agree on the Booker take his, his Montgomery's workload is exactly what you want for Booker. But the issue is we don't know what Jalen Richard, what kind of workload he's going to see. Is Booker going to be on the field on third down? Or, you know, is he going to be out there running routes? We know Montgomery is. Yeah. So that's the differentiator between those two for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. Um, so one of the – I think the most interesting play on the slate is Derrick Henry at 9,200. Uh, so it's December 4th. It's officially December season, uh, which – Say what you want, but I think it's an actual thing. When the weather when the weather turns cold, Derrick Henry, man, the beast gets unleashed. But here's the thing: uh, I don't have the stones to fade a chalky Derrick Henry in December, and I know I don't have the stones, and I'm just going to state that out outright right now. So, and looking into the numbers, 256 uh, carries this year is by far the most in the league. 1,257 rushing yards is by far most in the league. His percent of team uh, rushing attempts is top five in the league. He has 50 red zone carries, which is by far the most in the league. 
He has 14 money zone carries. That's second in the league to Dalvin, I think. 12 touchdowns, second in the league to Dalvin. And now it's December, man. I mean, he has 256 attempts in 11 games. That is just uh, – he's on pace for like 380 carries. Like, it's just – yeah, it's seemingly unsustainable. But the thing is, until he gets hurt, that's just what they're going to do. And it's at least interesting, and I don't know how, how much stake you can put into this, but Mike Vrabel did come out and said they need to get him more involved in the passing game. Uh, and I don't like to really uh, give too much of a thought to coach speak because that's often what it is, is coach speak, but it's at least interesting. Um, we'll, he has been running around on about half of Tannehill's uh, dropbacks, 16 on 31 dropbacks against Baltimore and then 10 on 22 dropbacks versus Indy. And uh, Jeremy McNichols has essentially been phased out. He's only ran four routes the last two weeks. So really, if a running back's going to get a target in this game, it's probably going to be Derrick Henry. Now, granted, like we've seen all year, that might just culminate into two targets, you know. Um, and that's really the problem with Derrick Henry. He has the highest ceiling, honestly, at the running back position, and it's not close. But his floor is just not that safe. I mean, let's say he gets 26 carries, 120 yards, no touchdowns, one catch. Um, and you and I have talked about this a, a couple of times this week. I mean, 120 yards plus the bonus, that's 15 points plus one catch for 10 yards or so. Okay, we're talking about 17 points at a $9,200 price tag. That's a great game for most people. But when you're not involved in the passing game, that is – and you pay that price tag for Derrick Henry, yeah, you're dead. Like, if he's going to have to score twice and hit the bonus at least to really hit value. And while that is well in his range of outcomes, it's really, really hard to expect that, even when it's Derrick Henry in December. Um, and it's really difficult because he's probably, for my money, going to be the highest owned running back on the slate. And that is terrifying for both the people who play him and the people who fade him. Because one play from this guy, you know – 85-yard rushing touchdown, or he takes a 75-yard screen to the house. I mean, that is terrifying, and it can win you money or it can lose you money, and I absolutely hate it when one guy breaks the slate. So he is easily the most interesting player on the slate. I don't have the stones to fade him. If, if he is going to be as chalky as it's looking like, it's just terrifying. If he's less than a, owned by the, a quarter of the field, then I feel okay fading him. But, man – I think it's terrifying. What, what do you think? Yeah, Derek Henry is always this guy that just has like this massive ceiling and just has a crazy ring of floor, especially at this price now. I mean, he's getting up there with guys like Dalvin Cook, guys that are actually used in the passing game a little bit. I mean, look, I mean, they, the guy is, is literally averaging 1.8 targets per game over his last five. So he's basically like not involved at all in the passing game. But, you know, he, he's, he's just been so efficient. We know how good he is. I mean, this this Browns defense is is right around average. I mean, this is this is an average defense. They give up four point one yards per attempt. Um, so, you know, they only give up twenty two uh, DraftKings points per game to opposing running backs. But this this spot, I mean, their implied total is thirty. They're at home, six point favorite. Oh, yeah, totally yeah, and this is we know the Titans love to lean on the run on. Over the last three weeks and early downs in the first half, they run the ball 
percent of the time and league average is 47 percent so this is a team that really just wants to feature derrick henry and they're going to do it I and mean, he's averaged 23.4 touches per game over his last five so he's just absolutely their centerpiece of the offense but on the other side you know nick chubb and cream hunt are the centerpieces of the browns so this might turn into a game where it's just kind of a slugfest and they're just running the ball a lot and it could speed up this game and the game could end in like two hours and you don't even get enough volume from either side to even get there. That could happen. Or these teams could start to tilt towards the air, start using play action off these guys, and this game could shoot out. You know, I, I could see either of those things happening. Um, yeah, Derek Henry at 9,200, their price is getting up there where it's – I would love to play him if the salary works out. I personally prefer um, using that 9K salary on Devontae Adams, um, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But – I, I prefer playing Montgomery, James Robinson, and Austin Eckler as opposed to, um, you know, getting up to Derrick Henry and then having to come down from Adams onto someone like, you know, Sterling Shepard or Michael Pittman, someone in that range. I much prefer Dave Montgomery and Devontae Adams to Derrick Henry and Michael Pittman. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that actually for once, uh, running back is actually stronger than receiver. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think we both agree that they, Devontae Adams, like you were saying, undeniably has a higher floor than Derrick Henry. It's not even remotely close. And their ceilings are, you know, equivalent, in my opinion. I mean, both of them can hit a 45-pointer any given week. But I think access to that ceiling on the Adams side is a lot more likely. Uh, a lot, Like, a lot has to go right for Derrick Henry, you know. Yeah, uh, to, to end up hitting that 45 spot. Whereas I mean, he's got to get the just, three times to get 45 points. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to need, like, 200 yards. Yeah. Whereas, like, Adams – I mean, we've seen Adams do it. I mean, if he goes, like, you know, 14 for 160 and gets in the box twice, I mean – Yeah, it's just – that's paints all. Yeah. Yeah, so – it's moving on to these other running back plays. I think Derrick Henry, we hit him pretty hard here. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of boomer bust. I mean, at that price, he's boomer bust. He's, he's, it's unlikely to me that he hits like exactly what he needs to get. He's either going to go under it or he's going to smash the way the hell over it. I think he, he's either going to score like 35 uh, or he's going to score like, you know, 15 or something like that. I, I, I cannot, it, I don't know. It's tough to see him just getting exactly like 27, which is, yeah, which is what he needs. Um, to get there so moving on to my my second favorite running back play behind Austin Eckler and you're going to get to him here in a minute so I'm going to talk about James Robinson so you talked about the rushing share that uh, the running back rushing share that Derrick Henry was getting with Tennessee how about James Robinson he's had 194 carries this year it guessed the total number of carries by all other Jacksonville running backs just guess so 194 to what <laughs> six seven Seven total carries for all other Jacksonville running backs. He is this engine. I know that Jacksonville sucks. All right, I get it. But he's playing 81% of the snaps over the last five. He's averaging 24 touches per game, 116 yards from scrimmage. All this is really solid. Yeah, he doesn't have much touchdown upside, but when they get down there, he's still their guy. He's getting all of the stuff inside the five. It's just they don't get down inside the five very often, so he's not going to score many uh, you know, touchdowns. But – He's been really consistent. He's had over 94 yards from scrimmage in each of his last five games, you know, and yeah, I get it. You know, he's, he's, 
they have a 21 implied total. Jacksonville does. They're on the road. You know, they're 10-point dogs. I get all that. They're literally 10-point dogs every week. It doesn't matter. He still smashes. He, he you know, he, he got there against Pittsburgh. It's just what matters in fantasy is volume, and he gets it in spades. I mean, he gets it, you know, over the last five games, he's averaged 24 touches per game. Derrick Henry's averaged 23.4. You know, Robinson's averaged 116 yards from scrimmage, and Derrick Henry's averaged 121. So, I mean, James Robinson at 7,300, yeah, I mean, obviously Derrick Henry's a much better raw play. Like, yeah, I'd much rather play Derrick Henry um, if they're the same price. But at this, you get this discount of, you know, 1,900 less than Derrick Henry. I, I, I like James Robinson a lot. Yeah, I'm totally on board. I mean, look at last week. We came off of James Robinson because we were scared of a Mike Glennon-led offense, and it just didn't matter. And it doesn't seem to matter any given week. James Robinson's just good. Um, I think people need to start putting some respect on his name. Absolutely. And this is the week to get on board, man. I, I mean, I feel bad that we haven't been <laughs> playing him more often. But I mean, I that bag and that locked-in volume, man. Yeah, I feel like I disrespected him or something like that. Like, I haven't played him at all, which is a clear mistake. I mean, it's a mistake to not have been playing this guy. I just – I kept thinking of Jacksonville. I was like, oh, Jacksonville sucks. They're not going to score. Like, they're going to be losing. But it doesn't matter because even when they're losing, they're still giving him touches. So, he just gets there every week. Yeah, don't care. And on that kind of volume, I mean, he's playing 80% of the snaps. Like, that, he's just out there all the time, so – yeah, James Robinson, the volume is just going to pile up. Between him and Dave Montgomery, that kind of volume you're getting at their price tags, I, I think that's really hard to pass up, um, you know, regardless of their matchups. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the Montgomery thing's still gross, but now, uh, playing Robinson with Montgomery makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> uh, but anyway, moving on to the last running back, uh, it's going to be Austin Eckler at 7,100. Yeah. Um, Man, first week back off the hammy last week was a total smash fest. He had 25 total touches, 16 targets, 11 receptions. Uh, he had three red zone carries, two red zone targets. I mean, he didn't even get in the box, and he easily hit value. So um, he played 76% of the snaps. He ran 37 routes on Herbert's 52 dropbacks. That's solid. Um, so, man, the, the, the workload concerns coming back. Granted, Kalen Blas was out, but, man, this was everything I wanted and more. Um, and I think we're, he's going to see a, a pretty, pretty healthy ownership percentage this week because of it. Yeah. Um, diving into the matchup a little bit, New England is allowing the 10th fewest points to opposing running backs over the last month. Um, but they are giving up tied for the fourth most receptions to the running back over that same span, which is perfect for uh, Austin Eckler's skill set. Uh, it also helps that New England is a little bit beat up on defense. I mean, they've got a lot of key guys who have been limited or out all week. Um, their rookie, Anthony Jennings, he hasn't practiced all week. He's a, he's a backup outside linebacker. J.C. Jackson, he's been limited all week. Kyle Duggar's been limited all week. Jawan Bentley's been limited all week. Adam Butler's limited all week. It's already not a very uh, scary defense in general. So when you take a lot of these depth pieces away, I mean, it just makes it that much of a better spot for Eckler. Um, it also helps that Trey Turner and Brian Balaga are both lined up to play after being on the injury report. They both practiced in full Thursday. I didn't get to see any data on today, um, but I assume if they practiced in full yesterday, they're probably out there in full today. Um, so are we going to expect 25 touches or are we going to expect 16 targets for Austin Eckler? No, I don't think so. But I think something like, you know, 
12 to 15 carries and six to eight targets is well in, well in play. I think something, you know, 18 to 22, 23 touches is well in the range of outcomes here. And I think it's 2100 with, I mean, a lot of that coming through the air. I think he's just too cheap in a game that they're really going to need to rely on him. And I mean, it's essentially, I mean, would you play Alvin Kamara at 7,100 if he had Drew Brees? Because that's a ba- that's essentially what this is. Dawson Eckler is the new Alvin Kamara. Um, and I think at 7,100, everyone would be, you know, salivating at that play. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Austin Eckler, his three full games that he's played with Justin Herbert, um, so that's week two, week three, and then last week, week 12, um, he's averaged 10.3 targets in those games. He's had 30 targets. And he's averaging 140 yards from scrimmage in those games on 23 touches. And he's playing 67% of the snaps, you know, 25 points per game in those three games that he played with Justin Herbert. So I, Herbert loves to throw it to him, you know, 7,100. That kind of passing game floor is exactly what you're looking for um, in a cash game running back. And obviously we know the talent of Austin Eckler. He's, he's an absolute stud. So. Yeah, Austin Eckler is a really solid play. My favorite three running back plays on the slate um, in order. It's Austin Eckler, James Robinson, then Dave Montgomery, and then Derrick Henry coming in just behind. So yeah, for, for my money, I think Austin there's a lot. Yeah, I, I would I would say so too. Um, yeah, I mean, it, from the guys we've gone over so far, I think that Aaron Rodgers and Austin Eckler are both locks. I would say. So moving over to wide receiver, uh, I'm going to start at the bottom of the pricing range here. And um, we can talk about Brandon Cooks and Kiki QT. Um, So with Will Fuller out for the rest of the year, this opens up uh, about 24% of the team's targets. And Kiki QT is this guy. He came out of Texas Tech. This is his third year. Um, And he he wasn't really used much um, early in his career, and he really hasn't been used much at all this year with Will Fuller there. But now, I mean, this is a small guy. He, he's small. He's fast. He runs a 4-4-3. Four, four, um, so he's a little slot jitterbug type guy. But, I mean, he, he's had three games against the Colts in his career. And in those three games, now, mind you, these games came with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller on the field. Both of them are gone now. His only competition for targets now is Brandon Cooks. And in those three games, he's gone 11 for 109 and 0 11 for 110 and one, and then he went three for 25 and zero. So he's had some blow up games in this spot at 3,500 with no Will Fuller and seemingly no one else there. I mean, Isaiah Coulter, even Mitchell, Mitchell, I mean, these guys haven't even been on the field yet. So I know that the Texans don't love Kiki, but they're going to have to use him. And, you know, Indianapolis, they go up 8.9 yards per target to opposing wide receiver course. So, you know, I, I love any wide receiver attached to Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson's a total stud, you know, and yeah, losing Will Fuller is going to hurt this offense as a as a whole, but at 3,500 for a slot jitterbug who could break a little slant across the middle and take it to the house, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Kiki Cutie in this spot, 3,500. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The Texans can't run the ball, and they're certainly not going to be able to run the ball against the Colts. Um, so they're going to be forced to pass. And I don't think Indy's going to have much of a problem at all scoring against Houston's pitiful defense. So um, they're going to continue to do what they've done every week since Bill O'Brien got fired finally. And that's just drop back with Watson and, and let him do the work. I mean, yep. 
And yeah, I mean, Randall Cobb out. He's on IR. Kenny Stills was cut. And now Will Fuller is gone. And they, I think they only have four receivers on the roster, two of which Isaiah Coulter and Stephen Mitchell have not even played a snap this year. So, I mean, they're forced, whether they like Kiki or not. He had a couple cash viable games back in, what, 2018 or something like that. And man, he, I can't see a way that Kiki's not on the field for almost every drop back. I mean, I think he's a great play at 3,500. I don't – I think – you know, eight targets is right there. Uh, and anytime you can get eight targets at a $3,500 price tag, I mean, uh, it's hard to get past that. Yeah. So I, I think he's really strong. Yeah. And then Brandon Cooks, who's 5,600, he's right in that mid-range receiver. He's now elevated to the wide receiver one in this offense. Um, now, the Colts are only allowing the third fewest points to opposing receivers over the last month. Uh, they're just a really solid defense in general right now. Um, but, I mean, Cooks has shown to be really consistent in his offense. I mean, he's had double-digit fantasy points every week, except for week five, and he actually had 9.9 that week. He's averaged 16.8 fantasy points a game over that span, which is really, really good, especially as a number two in that offense. Um, the last four weeks, he's averaged a little less than seven targets a game, uh, and now there's no four, no Cobb, no Stills, none of them. Um I mean, the last four weeks, like you said, Will Fuller saw a 23.5% target share um, to Cook's 22.8% of targets over that span. And I think that's probably – I think he's probably slotted to get at least 25% of the team targets, um, if not more. But I certainly think a quarter of the team targets is a solid projection for him. Now, the one thing I wanted to look into was uh, – how much he's going to be lined up against Xavier Rhodes, who's been a top five corner this year after seemingly being dust in Minnesota last year. But here's the thing. Xavier Rhodes plays 94% of his snaps on the left side, and Cooks only runs 24% of his routes on that side. So I'm guessing the Isaiah culture is probably going to be one that gets sacrificed uh, to the Wolves. And, and Cooks – I mean, he moves around a good bit, but he plays like 40-something percent of his snaps on the right side, um, which is more than likely where he's going to be lined up against Rocky Sin, who has, I mean, not been good. I mean, he's gotten cooked by Corey Davis twice this year. He got cooked by T. Higgins. He got cooked by Devontae Adams at El Beckham. So um, I think the matchup is actually a little bit better than it, it might seem on the surface for Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think, I mean, as the locked-in wide receiver one, in a game where they're going to have to drop back a lot at that price tag. I, I think, you know, eight to 10 targets is right there in play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned Rocky Asin. He's given up, he's given uh, uh, two yards per outrun. I mean, that is like, that's a lot. And Brennan Cooks has averaged 1.84 yards per outrun. So, I mean, that, that's garbage. I mean, for reference, Xavier Rhodes has given up uh, 0.96 yards per outrun. So, you know, and Kenny Moore that plays a slot is going to uh, point nine eight. So I mean, Rocky Asin, if Brandon Cooks is going to you know run most of his routes against Rocky Asin, I mean that that's really a mismatch uh, for Brandon Cooks. But I mean, wide receiver quarterback matchups are, are so guys move around so much that it's hard to really pin down unless it's a true shadow matchup. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to shed a little bit of light there on on Rocky Asin. He he he's gotten his ass beat all year. <laughs> so yeah, Brandon Cooks and Kiki. Um, both are perfectly fine. If you have the salary go up to Brandon Cooks, um, you know, obviously he's, he's the preferred option if you can get up to him. 
Um, but if you can't, I mean, I, I really like Kiki Cutie uh, in this spot. So I, I think most lineups are probably going to have one of one of the two. I think most lineups will have Kiki or or Cooks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the reason I like Kiki is because he allows you to get up to someone like Devontae Adams. So I talked about Devontae Adams when we were uh, you know, talking about Derrick Henry. Now, Devontae Adams, he's not going to project well in this spot point for dollar-wise because the guy is 9K, right? And so he's going to project for somewhere around the 21 DraftKings points, which is obviously not great value. But he has scored a touchdown in six straight games, and he has at least six receptions in eight in all eight of his full games that he's played without leaving to injury. So we mentioned his floor. That floor is ridiculous. I mean, if he catches six balls, that, that if that's his floor, which it has been all year, catching six balls, that's probably going to give him around like 60 yards. That's 12 points. It's a 12-point floor. Derrick Henry does not have a 12-point floor. Derrick Henry's floor is more so around like eight or nine. You know, if he doesn't get in the box, he's getting you like maybe 80, 90 yards. He might get to the bonus. I mean, you can't expect the guy to run for 100 yards every game. Um, mm-hmm. That's just you, you can't project that. No one's going to project him for for over 100 yards. They're probably projecting him for like 90, 95, something like that. But anyway, back to Devontae Adams. So he's at home. Now we mentioned uh, you know Aaron Rodgers, 28 implied total. Uh, he's Devontae Adams has averaged 26 DraftKings points per game over his last five. Uh, he's averaging 10.6 targets per game of 0.79 weighted opportunity rating, which is a combination of air yard share and uh, market share of, of targets. He's averaged 92 yards from scrimmage per game, and he averages 0.9 end zone targets per game. That is a really, really solid number. I mean, you look at the average wide receiver, and most wide receivers average like 0.4 end zone targets per game. He, he's way above that. We know he's their guy in the red zone. He's averaging like 44% of the team's targets in the red zone. So when they get down close, they're throwing to Devontae. And the, the connection, I think this there's something that actually, may, maybe it's narrative-based, but something that definitely matters, I think, is that the connection between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. These two have a true connection where they can just look at each other and say, okay, I want to run this option route, and it's going to be there every time. And they just look at each other in the huddle and say, okay, this is the play, and, you know, and go for it. I mean – the back shoulder fades that these guys have every, they have the chemistry down. Uh, they've been doing it for years. 9k, you know, like I said, I would rather spend the 9k on Devontae Adams, stack him with Aaron Rodgers, um, and, and take my chance with a Kiki cutie, um, to, you know, to open up that salary for me. What do you think about Devontae? Well, I mean, he's hands down the best receiver in the league right now. I mean, <laughs> About as bust proof as they come. He's really he's pretty much this year's Michael Thomas. Um, and I mean, not not that it, you know, I don't know how much it really affects his production because I don't think any corner can really cover him. But man, if Darius Slay's out, that's just a cherry on top for this matchup. Uh, it, it, Darius Slay can't cover him, but I know for a fact he would cook every other corner on the Eagles pretty badly. Yeah. Uh, and if I remember correctly, when he played the Eagles last year, it was. It was real bad for for the the secondary in Philly. So, um, yeah, man. I <laughs> mean, was. access to his ceiling, like we said, access to his ceiling is, I think, a, mo- a lot more likely than access to Derrick Henry's ceiling. Like we said, so much has to go right for Derrick Henry to pop. I mean, he's going to need 200 yards and three touchdowns to really break this slate. Whereas, you know, that's not how that's not how we're going to get to to Adam Slate. I mean. How many times have we seen Adams go, you know, 12 for 150 and two? Like, yeah, that is 
much more accessible than, than a 200-yard free touchdown game from Derrick Henry. And like we said, running back is actually stronger on this slate than receiver, which is something that we have not seen too often this year. And so I think uh, paying up for a guy like Adams and, you know, slotting in someone like David Montgomery or, or Devontae Booker, whoever you want to pay down at running back for, I think makes for a stronger uh, line of construction. Yeah. One thing I want to, uh, one more thing on, on Adams with his, with his uh, inside of 10 usage, he's getting 37 and a half percent of the Green Bay targets inside the 10. The next closest is the touchdown machine himself, Mike Evans. I mean, we know all Mike Evans does is catch touchdowns. He gets 34% of his team's targets inside the inside the 10 yard line. So like when they get down low, it's going to Adams. And and if you get an end zone target inside the 10, that is you probably have about a 60% chance of scoring that if you get that kind of target. So Devontae Adams, like like I mentioned, he scored in six straight games. I mean, it, it you know the the thing is for Adams, it's way easier for him to get to value than Henry. Henry has to score twice to get to value. Adams can go eight for 101 as 27 points and you're there you know henry's got to score twice if he's not going to catch any passes so yeah i mean i played adams a couple weeks ago and he had a actually a bad game production wise i think he had like seven for 57 but he scored three times so it didn't matter <laughs> so even yeah. in a down game he he probably will get in the box anyway so it doesn't even matter yeah absolutely yeah, so uh, moving on to another guy like uh, is Allen Robinson, and I'm going to throw Anthony Miller in this conversation as well. A-Rob's at 6.8K, Anthony Miller is at 3.1. Uh, starting off with A-Rob, simply put, the Lions defense is atrocious, and A-Rob's an alpha. And what do we like to do? We like to get alpha receivers in our cash lineups. Um, over the last four weeks, the Lions are allowing the six most, point, most points to opposing receivers. The second most receiving yards given up over that span as well. The past two weeks, they've given up the second most points to opposing wide receivers, uh, 54 and a half points a game. Man, that's 10 points higher than the Jets, who have been giving up 45 points a game over that span. And they're the third highest. Uh, now, it is worth noting that A-Rob did miss practice on Friday with a knee injury. So that's definitely something we need to monitor as the weekend progresses. Um and another reason that he is more palatable is that Darnell Mooney missed Friday's practice with a knee. He did not practice while A-Rob was limited. So if Mooney were to be out, that's an added boost to A-Rob. Mooney's air yard market share has been really, really solid this year. Um, so, you know, you take that that number two target away from that offense, and I think it just opens so much up for A-Rob and Anthony Miller. Uh, especially when you're when the $3,100 price tag for Anthony Miller. And we don't need to go on a, a tangent about how much I'm in love with Anthony Miller as a player, but man, anytime I can get a, an Anthony Miller uh, boom week, man, I'm all over that. Uh, but I digress back to A-Rob. Like I said, he's a bona fide alpha. Uh, the last four weeks, he's had a 26% team target market share, 24% of the team targets in the red zone over the last month, which is really solid. Uh, he's averaging nine and a half targets per game over the last four. And if we delve a lot, a little bit deeper and look at weeks one through three, and then last week, week 12, those were the four games that Mitch Trubisky was the starting quarterback. Uh, and in those games, uh, Allen Robinson saw a 28% team uh, target share. 
30.6% of the air yards from weeks one to three, only 20% last week, but that's because Darnell Mooney accounted for 36% of those air yards. Now, if Darnell Mooney's out, that opens a lot, opens up a lot for this offense. So that's definitely something that, that might, you know, swing the pendulum in, in A-Rob's direction. Um, those four games with Mitch Trubisky, A-Rob saw seven red zone targets. That is elite. That is ridiculous. And a .62 whopper, which is really solid as well. Um, mm -hmm. It also provides a little bit of leverage against the David Montgomery chalk, which is something that I'm always interested in. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Miller becomes a really, really strong play if Mooney's out. He slots into that number two role, should see an expanded uh, target share. Uh, and, I mean, close to min price. That's the kind of play that, you know, if you wanted to play Brandon Cooks instead of Kiki Cootie, you can still find that value with Anthony Miller. Uh, without having to sacrifice at another position. So I think it, it, it sets up pretty nicely. It's just got to monitor the Mooney news and see if he's going to suit up or not on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Anthony Miller was a – he was a great prospect coming out of Memphis. And, of course, at 3,100, if Mooney's out, that's really tough to pass up. I, I think I still prefer Cootie if I'm playing Montgomery – because um, I don't want to get two bears in my in the same lineup. I, I might just have to like self exclude on DraftKings if I have to play two bears uh, <laughs> in the same lineup. I just throw up all over my computer screen. But um... <laughs> well, here's the thought, and I haven't actually uh, I haven't even actually tried this myself. But I wonder if you were to play Anthony Miller and Kiki Kuti, if you could fit Adams and Henry in. <laughs> probably. Probably, yeah. You probably could. probably lose you a little thin at receiver, but. Yeah, I'll probably figure out that a little bit. Yeah, so I want to talk about one more wide receiver just real quick uh, before we move on to tight end. Uh, and, and it's going to be um, Robert Woods. So Robert Woods is definitely one of the best values on this slate. He's 5900 so he's $200 cheaper than Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, the Rams are in this potential shootout here with Arizona if Kyler Murray can get his shoulder uh, back on right. Uh, they, so the Rams have a 26 implied total um, in Arizona here. The Rams, over the last three weeks on early downs in the first half, they're throwing the ball 63% of the time. I mentioned before, league average is very around like 54%. So that's that's really solid. They're, they're leaning towards the air uh, more often than not here. Robert Woods has averaged 19 points per game over the last five weeks. He's averaged 10.3 targets per game um, and, and 86 yards from scrimmage. And I say yards from scrimmage because he's actually getting a couple carries, um, which gives him an, you know an extra point or two here and there which certainly helps, uh, you know, at 5,900. You know, and taking on this this Arizona defense, they're actually decent, you know, against the pass. They only give up 7.7 yards per target, but they do give up a 68% catch rate. So um, it helps in PPR to have a, a higher catch rate. Um, I, I just think 10.3 targets, you know, if he can get – if he's probably projecting for anywhere between like 8 to 10 targets. If he can get 10 targets in this spot at 5,900 – I will take that all day and I'll run to the bank. And in two games against Arizona last year um, in 2019, so he went 13 for 170 and zero in one of the games. And then he went seven for 67 and one on 30 targets combined between those two games. So he's destroyed this defense. He's most likely going to be locking up with Patrick Peterson a good amount. And Robert Woods does move around to the slot a little bit. Patrick Peterson sucks at this point. He's dusted out. He used to be an all-pro. He's completely dusted out. Um, so Robert Woods in this spot, I do really like him at 5,900. Yeah, I agree. I think he's definitely the best uh, value in this game's offense this week. 
projected shootout spot. Um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I know that ownership projections that I'm looking at currently have Woods and Cup uh, a little bit above 15%, um, and Cup actually edging out Woods. I don't think that's that accurate. Granted, it's only Friday night, and a lot of things have to adjust. But I think recency bias is probably going to sway people towards Robert Woods, especially when he has that $200 uh, discount compared to Cup. So I think that the ownership for Woods is actually going to be higher than we're seeing in projections right now. And I don't think Cup is going to, I don't think Cup's going to be that owned in general. Now, maybe people get enamored with the Cooper Cup upside, uh, but I think Robert Woods is much safer week in, week out. Yeah, Cooper Cup could absolutely explode. We've seen him do it this year, but he could also end up, you know, three for 45 or something, and that just kills you. Whereas I don't think that's really. I don't even think that's Robert Woods' floor in this kind of spot. I, I really don't think Robert Woods is going to have less than you know five receptions or so. And if it does shoot out, and we, he has seen some really good touchdown regression from last year. I think he has seven TDs on the season. So if that continues, man, he sets up to be a really, really good play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this game, yeah, it's the fastest-paced game on the slate, so it could shoot out, you know, in, in his, his recent history here against Arizona. Uh just really solid. So, yeah. So my favorite plays at, at wide receiver on this slate are Devontae up top, Robert Woods, and then if you're going down low, Kiki Cutie. And, yeah, and you can definitely go on Anthony Miller if Mooney is out. You can go up to Brandon Cooks. And and Allen Robinson is definitely in play, too. Uh, just keep tabs on his injury, um, and hopefully he can play. He's off the – hopefully he's good to go on Sunday. He is questionable right now. So it's kind of scary. A guy goes from full practice down to limited – on a Friday, uh, that's it's not always good. That means something happened during the week. So moving on to tight end, we're not even going to talk about these guys up top. We're going straight down to the bottom. We do not play these guys up top because it doesn't matter. Tight ends don't matter unless your name is Travis Kelsey. Even if you're Darren Waller, you still don't matter. It just doesn't. So we are going to punt it off all the way. Jonu Smith, as we mentioned at the top, is out. Anthony and Meffin Ferkser. So in week six, when John Doe got hurt after 42% of the snaps, Anthony Furster came in and he played 60% of the snaps, ran 28 routes, and he went eight for 113 and one versus Houston. Cleveland, Cleveland, I know. If you get eight for, eight for 113 and one, I mean, it is pants off. And you called it that week, too. I remember you called Anthony Furster and he went the hell off. Now, I mean, that's because of John Doe's injury. But now we're getting a start for, for Anthony Furster at the Stone Men. 2,500 at home, you know, in a, a game with a 30 implied total, faster paced game here against Cleveland. This game can start to shoot out. It's going to be pants off for Ferguson. I mean, the guy, you know, he's out of Stanford and, you know, he's, he's taking on Cleveland, who over the last three weeks, they've allowed four touchdowns to go to tight ends. I mean, they give up 16 DraftKings points per game to opposing tight ends, a 70% catch rate, their 23rd DVOA against the pass. I think that it is just a total, total. I, it, I, I don't want to say lock for a 2,500 tight end, but I'm either playing him or Rudolph. I'll tell you that. I'm playing one or the other. Whichever no, he's a lock. No, he is a lock. <laughs> he's he a is. <laughs> now I get excited about these men price tight ends. I, mean, I love them. Just to add what you said, Cleveland, last, the last four weeks, Cleveland's given up the second most uh, points to tight ends, a little 19.9 points a game over the last four weeks. Yeah. Um, so they and they've sucked with tight ends all year. They, they over 
the course of the season, they've allowed the second most points to tight ends. Uh, it's just gotten, you know, even worse over the last four weeks or so. I mean, like we said, they have a 30 implied total. I mean, a min price starting tight end in the highest total in the week. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just a total lock. It opens up access to guys like Devontae Adams, Derrick Henry. There's just no opportunity cost to tight end. There's no reason to even think about anyone not named Travis Kelsey. You can throw in TJ Hawkinson, but he's usually too expensive. So, and Zach Ertz is at least interesting at 3.9K this week, but I don't, I just don't care. Like if I get a starting tight end at 2,500 in a game where they have an implied team total of 30, I'm locking it in and I'm not thinking twice. I, so Absolutely. I won't be, I will not be pivoting from Anthony for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you wanted to, if you have the salary, which, you know, if you're paying up for Henry or for Adams, I'm not, I don't know how you have the salary, but it, it's just say if you do at 3,400, Irv Smith is out. So Kyle Rudolph, we played him last week at 2,800. So now we get Kyle Rudolph again. And I mean, over the last two weeks without Irv, he's ran around on 78% of dropbacks and then 76% of dropbacks. And he's produced lines of four for 63 and zero, and then seven, six, seven for 68 and zero. And Jacksonville, I mean, this, this Jacksonville defense is absolute garbage. They're 31st DVOA. They give up 14 fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. And they give up 8.7 yards per target when league average um, points per target or yards per target given up is 7.5. So this is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. It really just comes down to are the Vikings going to throw enough to give Rudolph enough volume as we know, Adam Thielen is back in this game. So he's likely third, maybe fourth on the target totem pole here behind Dalvin Cook even. Uh, so 3,400, I I much prefer Anthony Ferkser at $900 cheaper. I much prefer it. Just play the minimum price guy and move on. It's tight end. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think Rudolph is he, – he's the second best player on the slate, I think, at tight end. Um yeah, 3,400, no Irv Smith. I mean, and, and I think it actually – it might give you a little bit of leverage because I do, do think that uh, Jefferson and Thielen are both going to see cash game ownership. Right yeah. now, uh, Jefferson's actually projected to be pretty highly owned. I don't know how accurate that is. I can't imagine he'll be all that high owned with Thielen back. Yeah. Um, and if Dalvin – if people do end up playing Dalvin, that gives you even, even more leverage. Um, on to Rudolph. So I think he's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just Anthony Furcher at 2,500. Just, just, just play it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he's an objectively great play, you know, at home 30 implied total. We, we want tight ends that have massive totals. Both Rudolph and Furcher have implied totals over 30 right now. So uh, yeah, there's Here's a lot the of thing. I've said this before. If Anthony Furcher, it's a goose egg. It doesn't really hurt you that much. We're getting a starting tight we end. Both we both played Adam Troutman a week that he put up a goose egg and didn't matter. We both cashed easily. You know, I mean, we played Adam Albert O. Albert O's gotten me one catch uh, one, some week that I played him. It didn't matter. Like, there's just no opportunity calls to tight end. I mean, what are the odds that, you know, Darren Waller smashes? I mean, He's, you know, mid five to six K tight end. It's not like he's just an absolute smash fest. I mean, last week he got outscored by Kyle Rudolph, who was $3,000 cheaper than him. So, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's just the status of tight end this year. I also do want to note that Anthony Ferkser, uh, he he missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday for uh, – it was, like, not injury-related, but then he practiced in full today. So, I guess it was some kind of personal reason. But he was there. Practiced in full. He's good to go. Um, it should be the Ferkser show, a little bit of Jeff Swaim in there blocking, um, mm-hmm. which shouldn't get many routes. Uh, Swaim's going to run probably – five or 10 routes first or should get the bulk of the routes probably run 25 to 30 routes uh in this spot 2500 uh i'm just gonna go with it anthony first is the windmill of the, of the slate total windmill lock it up anthony Furser, two tutties at 2500 he'd probably be he's probably gonna be the highest owned tight end on the slate probably him or rudolph uh if i were to guess in cash games People love to, to pay down and tight end. I think people have kind of caught on. I know that we we were. I mean, you you've been paying down a tight end for years. It's like I, I've caught on to it this year, and it's just like you just have to do it. It just doesn't matter. It's just pray for for a touchdown, really. And you know, really, you just don't need much for a guy twenty five hundred. You don't need much from from your tight end. You need like what? Well, if he catches a touchdown, he can catch one ball, catch a touchdown, and you're there, and it's pants oh. off. But if he doesn't catch a touchdown, if he gets like, I don't know, three catches for like 30 yards, that gets you six points. He's 2,500. Nah, that's who cares? Yeah. Fine. It's perfectly fine. It's what it opens up for the rest of your lineup. But I'm calling it Anthony Ferkser, two touchdowns, 2,500. Anthony Ferkser is going to put up 18 DraftKings points. Book it. Book it. <laughs> so that's spicy. I like so with that, that's going to do it for episode 15 of the Print Fest DFS podcast. We'll be back on Monday night, breaking down our lineups. You know it's going to have Anthony Furser in there, and you're going to see an 18-burger from 2,500. You're going to see it in both of our lineups in cash, and, and uh, hopefully we don't get the doors blown off us like I did last week. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But hopefully Derek Henry – if I don't play Derek Henry and he just totally jams it down my throat, you know, so be it. I, I'll – I'm likely playing Devontae Adams instead of Derrick Henry. If it burns me, it burns me. I mean, God, I just eh, – we'll see. Well, I, I hope I hope Ferkser cucks all the touchdowns from Derrick Henry this week. That's what I'll say. But with that, that's yeah, going to – And, I mean, stay tuned on Monday night. David Montgomery cost me money. I know. I know, yeah. David so. Montgomery cost me money. I don't know what I'll do. Yeah. We'll be back Monday night. Until then, good luck, everybody.